0: Welcome once again to the GreatAMovies dot com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I write uh, movie reviews at Larry and dot com, and I have two reviewers from movies dot com. They also uh, put their material on thefilmyapp.com as well. Alec Toombs is with us. Alec, welcome. back. Always good to talk to you.
1: Good morning, Larry. Good to see you, fellas.
0: And Adam Austin, uh, welcome back. You also have a new job now.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. So I'll be. Uh... Uh, writing press releases as a press secretary for the indiana house republicans so to be assigned to a few state representatives
0: so you'll uh be, will you be spending time at the state house or will you be yes. working from home so i'm
2: very i'm very excited about the job the only thing i'm not excited about and i'm i don't even hope like my boss hears this that's fine is the drive from carmel to downtown indianapolis well it's I, not that bad though I did, i'm gonna get I've already, uh, signed up for an audible account and start listening to some audio books.
0: You know, that's exactly what I did. I made that commute from downtown to Fishers, which is pretty close for many years. And uh, I actually, I think I had a Sirius XM radio. I guess it was Sirius or no, it was XM at the time. I had one of those satellite radios just so I had something to listen to on the way there and back. So you will definitely need that. I'll say one thing for you, uh, uh, this coming session is the short session, but in two years from now, when they have the budget session, uh, the, the legislature is known to like meet until two, three, four in the morning. I think they actually keep some of the pizza places downtown busy just from staff and media who are covering. So be prepared for that. Uh, hopefully, it won't be that way in the next session. So, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk movies. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about In the Heights. Alec and I have seen it. Uh, Adam already talked about it in our last session, but I want to talk about an offshoot, a a story that has surfaced that is connected to In the Heights. We all know who Rita Moreno is. In fact, there's a new documentary film just coming out, I think this weekend, about her here in Indianapolis, which I hope I get the chance to see. But Rita Moreno uh, had a guest appearance on Stephen Colbert's uh, show, his late night show, and made a comment about... Lynn manuel Miranda and John, Ch- who was one of the producers and, of course, created the whole thing in the Heights and, and Hamilton and all that. And there was a comment made about dark-skinned Afro-Latinos and uh, how the film was cast. Perhaps those folks didn't get uh, enough of the uh, roles in that film. She made some very controversial comments about it, like, oh, you know, get over it. It's OK. Later on, apologized for that thing. She really shouldn't have said it that way. Um, Adam, I know you've read, uh, some of the, I, I have not seen the appearance. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I just hit, haven't had a chance to see it, but it was pretty quick. Rita Moreno the next day said, look, I was, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that, um, gave people the wrong impression. I wonder what you think of all this, this hubbub.
2: So I think it's all ridiculous. First off, uh, I loved in the Heights. I think it is a positive thing for the Latino and Hispanic community to see a movie that celebrates their culture with full cast in the same way that crazy rich Asians uh, really um, create and, uh, both these movies created additional opportunities for people of color to have starring roles in big budget movies. So it is a positive force in that, in both movies, both directed by director John M Chu um, to start nitpicking. And they did the same thing with crazy rich Asians is why I bring it up in crazy rich Asians, which Asian people praised, saying, hey, it was great to finally see a big movie with us on the screen where we celebrated our culture, but it wasn't stereotypical. Um, They criticized that uh, actor Henry Goulding was, I guess, half English. And they said it was he had white features and that, of course, the romantic lead had to have white features and that a lot of them weren't from certain parts of Southeast Asia. I think um, while those criticisms might be valid. I think they're misplaced. And I hate to see in either movie we start to really denigrate something that is a positive force. Maybe it is a a step in the right direction, but let's not belittle a step because everything isn't exactly how you want it. Lin-Manuel Miranda did the right thing strategically. He apologized. He said uh, the criticism is valid. Uh, I will learn and be better. Thank you. Uh, And that was the smart thing to say to kind of end it. Marina Moreno was saying what all of us want to say is the fact that and and she is a a, a Latino legend and uh, she says, hey, this guy is doing so many positive things for the Latino community. He gives millions of dollars to Puerto Rico for the relief. Um, He speaks up on issues. He fights for inclusion, uh, not only behind the scenes, but in front of the camera. And you're attacking this guy. So Rita Reno was dead on right, and now she's walking back her apology because someone told her, well, wait a second, you know, don't defend Linwell Miranda. He already apologized. Just let his apology stand. You don't need to defend him. He's a big boy. He can handle himself. I get that. But I agreed with Rita Reno's original statement. We are getting way out of control with this. You know, maybe it is cancel culture, but this is such a good-hearted, positive force. Why are you attacking this?
0: Let me ask Alex something, because th- when I read about this, what this reminded me of was, uh, and I can't even remember the name of the film. I'm just thinking of it now. Uh, a film done by Spike Lee many years ago where he talked about this tension between light-skinned African-Americans and dark-skinned African-Americans. Thinking of
1: Jungle Fever, maybe?
0: It, uh, it wasn't Jungle Fever. It was another one. But I I, I just, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a matter of... Uh, it's hard to understand the tensions that are, are racial in nature. When you heard about this, uh, this controversy, what was your reaction, Alec?
1: I think um, a lot of folks are overreacting. Granted, I've never been to Washington Heights. I don't know the makeup of the neighborhood. Uh, I, I glad I've seen in the Heights now. I thought it was a wonderful movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the year thus far. Um as, as far as I remember, there's only one white character in the movie, and he's not portrayed especially, uh, glowingly. Um, I Who think
2: was there's a the white point? character, uh,
1: the, the guy who's doing the, the, the deal with Jimmy Smith's like the landowner
2: guy. Oh yeah. That yeah, that was the, I forgot about him.
1: That's pretty much the only white character in the movie. As far as I remember, he's not in it much and he's not portrayed especially well, um, I'm not African-American. I'm not Hispanic. I probably don't have a horse in the race because of this. And and my opinion matters less than than those folks. Um, Was I offended by the movie? No. Um, One of the main characters of the movie is black. So...
2: And in the original Broadway production, there was apparently a storyline where there was some tension between uh, Jimmy Smith's character. uh, It wasn't Jimmy Smith's in the Broadway character, but his character. uh, Because... She didn't want he didn't want his daughter to date an African-American. Now, that was removed for the movie version, which kind of lessened the development of those two storylines. Uh, but I understand, you know, you want to show everything in positive terms. But the the bottom line, the reason I bring that up, it's a messy, complicated issue. And this is a two hour movie. We can't delve into everything.
0: Well, and I will say one thing, Brita the, the, Moreno, in her apology uh, Twitter, I think it was a Twitter message, said this It is so easy to forget how celebration for some is lament for others. So I think this is more of just understanding that tension within that community and recognizing it and moving forward from there. From that, I want to talk to Alec here for a moment because uh, Adam glowingly talked about in the Heights in our last uh, podcast. And I'd just like to, Alec, you've seen In the Heights, as I have. I'd like to, to hear your, your views on it first.
1: I thought it was a beautiful movie. It's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, I never did see Crazy Rich Asians. I liked In the Heights well enough. I'm going to go back and check out *It uh, Crazy Rich Asians because I want more of John Chu's work. I um, thought the music was beautiful. thought the performances were beautiful. Uh, I didn't watch it in a movie theater, which I sort of regret. I, I watched it here at my house. I have a 55-inch TV. It's around sound. And I cranked it pretty loud. Um, I enjoyed it very, very much. I'll probably go see it in a movie theater, at Dolby or IMAX if possible.
0: Should should we uh, check the police blotter to see if there are any complaints about uh, like noise and your coming from your place? I
1: mean, I live on two thirds <laughs> of an acre, and uh, I, I've definitely heard, there's some space between me and my neighbors, so I, I didn't hear anything from them. But uh, mm-hmm. my wife and her her girlfriend who are here were like. Can you
0: turn it down a little bit? So. <laughs> let me uh, let me say a few words about it too. I I really like this film as well. Uh, I think what struck me about this film was the timing. Sometimes timing is everything, and I'm sure when this film was produced, nobody knew it was going to come out at the time we are beginning to, beginning to emerge from COVID. We haven't. It, the pandemic is not over, folks, and I won't get into all that. But uh, we're seeing variants that are pretty scary right now. Uh, that could change this overnight. But right now the vaccination rates are helping those of us who are vaccinated have much more normal lives than we had before. And in the Heights, the timing of this coming out, such a joyous film, the great music, the great dance routines, choreography, everything was done so well. And I, I I wrote in my review that I generally are not, I'm not a big fan of, of the song and dance. Uh, Nor I. And, and, uh, so, I mean, I like something. You know, Singing in the Rain is a great, you know, classic film, for example. West Side Story uh, is still a classic film and one of the best. So I have pretty high standards when it comes to that kind of film because there are a lot of bad ones out there. You go to the 40s, and that was the big thing. And there were some good ones, and there were some pretty awful ones. So my view is this was done very well. This is not an easy thing to do. And John Chu and his whole crew, all the choreographers, people doing the music, top notch job, and you know the it the music told the story to a great extent, but the dialogue was also extremely well written tremendous story, and you know it was a kind of a gentle story. You have to have conflict uh, for there to be a a a, a compelling story you want to watch, but they were very gentle with their conflicts, you know the biggest conflict was the young girl who was pressured by her father. To go back to school. He was selling everything he had to get her to school. She didn't feel like she fit in at Stanford on the other side of the country from New York City where she was from and how much she enjoyed being back in her old neighborhood seeing all the people she knew. So I, there's a lot to like in this film. It's just a joyous film, a nice film, and you walk away feeling good. You feel great. In the Heights is a film I'd recommend for just about anybody Pretty much for the whole family, there might be some issues for very young kids, but I think most people are going to enjoy this film, and I really highly recommend it. I know both of you do as well. So this is a good news story as we come out of the pandemic. There's one thing that does disappoint me. I'm going to ask Adam about this. The box office on this film the first weekend didn't really... Uh, it came well under expectations. I'm hoping, Adam, this is one of those films where word of mouth will get out and it will begin to pick up steam. What do you think?
2: I, I think hopefully word of mouth will will pick up. And this may sound crazy. I think this film might get Oscar nominations. And sometimes when the nominations come out, they put the movies back out in theaters and people go see them again. So so perhaps that will happen way down the road, you know, six months from now. Um But it was disappointing. And my first reaction was it's because it was streaming simultaneously on HBO Max. People decided to watch it at home instead of going to the theater if they had HBO Max. That's what I thought. Now, the people behind HBO say that's not true, that if a movie does well in the box office, it does well on HBO Max if it does well on H, if it does poorly in the box office, it does poorly on HBO max. They say the numbers pretty much correlate. Now they don't have to tell us how many people are watching on HBO max. So they may not be a hundred percent honest, but who knows? I just a little surprised. Um, crazy rich. I, I thought are people not ready for all Hispanic kind of movie, or they maybe some racism or just uncomfortableness, but you know, Crazy Rich Asians was a huge hit at the box office. Very similar in that regard. Um, so I don't know. I do have one theory. The whole box office was not great this weekend. And I think as people, more people get vaccinated and and, and move towards the pandemic, uh, I think two things. One, when people are going out and leaving their house and doing something, Maybe they don't want to sit in a darkened theater and be quiet. Maybe they want to go interact with people and uh, go to a music festival or go out to. They want to be with people since that's what they haven't done for a year. And and sitting in a darkened theater, you know, while it may appeal to the three of us, maybe it doesn't appeal to them. I also had to say it. Will when will movie theaters maybe reexamine some of the mask rules, too? Now, I know the mask rules aren't super enforced is what I hear. Uh, You can eat your popcorn slowly. And even if you don't, there's not really anyone checking is what I hear. But just
1: hearing what what? it's been lifted at AMC if you're vaccinated.
2: So, yeah, so that'll help because um, I've been vaccinated, but I'll be honest, I'm not eager to put the mask. I will do it if I'm told to. But uh, if I walk into a place and they say we do not require a mask, I'm I'm vaccinated. I'm not I'm I may not put it on. So. Uh, I don't know if other people are starting to get that fatigue, the mask fatigue as well.
0: I just, uh, I have
2: this. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, you can go ahead, Larry, if you'd no, like. I'm now. just going to
0: say real quickly that uh, I just saw an article on Axios.com that the uh, Players Association and the NFL have reached an agreement, and there's a big difference. If you're a vaccinated NFL player, you pretty much do anything you want. If you're a non-vaccinated NFL player. I mean, the restrictions are draconian. I couldn't believe it. So I think even though the vaccination rates amongst NFL players has been fairly low, it's sort of
2: 50% And speaking of that, Chris Paul, who I'm a fan of, is not going to be playing in the next game for the uh, Western Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs because of COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. Larry, this is a guy's. he's 36 years old. He's not going to have that many chances to win a title. And COVID's going to derail it?
0: Well, he made his choice, didn't he? And, and it didn't work out well for him. But anyway, Alec, I want to get back to the film. <laughs> Let's get back to the I, film. Uh, I do
1: suspect In the Heights may pull a move like The Greatest Showman did a few years back, open with low numbers, and then build over time. I could see this movie holding and doing good money for a prolonged period of time. I think it's going to be around for a lot of the summer.
0: Yeah, and I think it's unfair to compare. Or at the least moment- I'm hoping it it, it's unfair to, to uh, compare a Memorial Day weekend box office with a with a non uh, uh, holiday box office. So maybe In the Heights got hurt by that, but I do think In the Heights is going to pick up steam. That's my view. I think once the word gets out and more rev- people read the reviews and, and talk to their friends, uh, I'm thinking this film will uh, will do well. So In the Heights, uh, we all like the film. We all recommend it. We hope if you like. Uh, musicals. It's the best kind of musical I've seen for many years. So I would recommend it. We all would recommend it. And uh, we hope you take the time to see it. You can see it on HBO Max if you have that. But of course, the movie theater is the best place to watch a, a film of, of this caliber. With that in mind, uh, our our uh, our reviewers have new films to review. Let's start with Adam Austin, your latest film.
2: All right. I've got something from Pixar. And picks a new Pixar movie. Isn't that exciting? That's that's one of the biggest names in movies, uh, regularly winning the best animated feature at the Oscars, sometimes even getting a best picture nomination, as they did for, I believe, uh, Toy Story three uh, inside out and and, and and maybe something else. I, I can't remember everything, but they have uh, consistently elevated the animation game beyond something just for kids and do something that even adults Childless adults can enjoy, too. So we uh, all enjoy Pixar. Their latest offering is not going to be in theaters. It originally was planned for that, and then they decided to make it streaming only on Disney Plus. It does not cost you the extra $30 like Cruella uh, or Luca or the was it called the uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. And uh, that'll be the same price package for Black Widow when it comes out. This one free to watch on there. And it is an enjoyable movie. Just to tell you about the story, it is about two young boys who are actually sea monsters, kind of bright blue-green color, and uh, the young sea monster named Luca. He is curious about life above the shore uh, and the humans, and his parents tell him, don't go anywhere near the surface. But he rebels, he goes out there, and to his surprise, as soon as he walked on land, he transforms into a human shape, and it's kind of a fun visual gimmick that you see throughout the movie. Anytime there's water on the sea monsters, they're seen as sea monsters, even a part of their face. So if they had water on part of their face, then that part of their face becomes sea monstery. But if they're dry, immediately they become human. So it becomes a fun sight gag. He makes a friend who is a sea monster who prefers to live life as a human. A young boy named Alberto, who's slightly older, and he teaches them the ways of human life. Uh, they find all these artifacts in their treehouse that kind of reminds you of Stand By Me there. Uh, and they're discovering the world, and uh, uh, of course, they have inaccurate descriptions of what these human relics do. Uh, but their ultimate goal is to to get a Vespa because they're on the Italian countryside, and and a Vespa is the ultimate freedom, and you can ride it through there, and you can go anywhere you want. When uh, Luca finds out that his parents want to ship him to the bottom of the ocean with his creepy uncle uh, because of his disobedience, he runs away and him and Alberto go to this small little fishing village in Italy called Porto Rosso, which is sounds a lot like uh, Studio Ghibli film. You might know Porco Rosso. It's a little homage there. And uh, they decide to compete in a triathlon, which includes uh, eating pasta, uh, riding a bike and swimming which they decline even though they're the best swimmers because they don't want their identities to be known. They want everyone to think they're human and they want to beat the uh, arrogant bully and win the race and uh, get a Vespa. And so it's a really nice story. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the only problem with uh, Luca and uh, others have said this too is it doesn't feel particularly original. Uh, even the story about a sea creature who yearns to go above the surface and meet humans Uh, and then has to hide themselves once they get in human form and doesn't know the customs. Sounds an awful lot like Disney's The Little Mermaid. Uh, The animation kind of looks like Wallace and Gromit, or maybe uh, Wes Anderson stop animation. And there's also a lot of homages to Federico Fellini films or some old Italian classics. And I even, and this may sound weird, thought there was some parallels to Call Me By Your Name, the uh, LGBT Oscar-nominated film by Luco Guadalina. Yeah. Were there um,
1: any peaches
2: in this movie? What? Were there any peaches in this movie? No, there weren't any peaches. But I will say, and I'm not I'm saying this to here. to try to ruin the movie or anything, because I don't think this ruins it, but I do think maybe there's uh, some LBGT themes in this film, uh, because it's a story about uh, self-discovery, And uh, finding yourself and then having to hide your true self, just like these creatures hide uh, their their sea monster self and for fear of being caught and ridiculed. So that might be a kind of a parallel to uh, some of the gay rights movement there. I think Chris Lloyd, one of our friends, um, talked about how it's going through that age of puberty and weird things are happening to your body when you're age 13. And and in this movie, weird things happen to your body Quite literally, whether it's human or uh, sea monster, that's an interesting changing body there. So there's a, there's a lot of interesting themes. It doesn't dive deep as say inside out or Coco or soul. Uh, so it's not near that Mount Rushmore of great Pixar films. It's about the middle. If you're going to make a list of all their movies, but a middle of the ground, Pixar movie is still really good. Uh, I mean, I, I gave it three and a half. Other people maybe gave it four, three and a half out of five. Other people gave it four out of five. Um, it is a very above average film and it's worth a stream. You don't hold it to the standards of you know, the greatest Pixar films and you'll, you'll enjoy it quite a bit.
0: Well, let me ask you a question that I ask about a lot of animated films, be it a TV series or a feature film. Yeah. The people who do these films and market them say a couple of things about any animated uh, production. If you can get the kids to watch it, great. That's 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 one hurdle you have to get through. If you can get the kids to have the mom watch it, man, that's really great. You got you're really getting a great audience. But if you can get the dad to watch it as well with the kids, and it was appealed to the dad as well, then you've got a hit. So my question to you, Adam, is: you're the father of a two year old. Uh, is this a film you would watch with your child?
2: Yes, but maybe not rewatch as much. And I'll put it this way. Um, The the great Pixar movies, you know, like I said, you may not even have kids and you could watch them and completely enjoy them. Uh, And not just some people, many people without kids watching it and enjoying it. Uh, This one, it's not like there are some Pixar movies that I think are just for kids. I'd put the Cars movies in that. I'm really not into the Cars films, especially the sequels. Uh, The Good Dinosaur was one that I felt was, really kind of meant for kids or even a bug's life and earlier Pixar work. Um, this one, I would watch. I did watch it or reviewed it and I, I would have watched it anyways and, and, and enjoyed it. Um, but I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't be eager to rewatch this one as much as a child would put it that way.
0: Okay. So I think you've given us a good rundown that uh, rundown on that, a good film, but not the best Pixar film, but a better than average Pixar film is still a pretty good film in your view. Let me switch to Alec. Alec, I know you have at least one review to share with us.
1: Yeah, I published a review yesterday of a movie. It's a sequel from an action comedy uh, from 2017. Uh, this one's called The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. It's a sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard. Uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson, Salma Hayek, Antonio Banderas, Morgan Freeman, and Frank Grillo. Uh, the movie was somewhat of a disappointment to me as somebody who enjoyed the first installments. Uh, I found the laughs somewhat lacking and the action, uh, somewhat lacking as well. Um, I had some fun with the movie when you have a cast that good and you get Italian scenery. And honestly, a lot of the movie was probably filmed in Eastern Europe subbing (laughs) for, for other places. But, uh, it was okay. I gave it two and a half out of five stars. I don't necessarily recommend it, but it's it's not the worst thing I've seen this year either.
0: So is it, does it uh, kind of get into that sequels are hard to do category? Uh,
1: sequels are tough, and sequels with a comedic element are certainly tough. Uh, this time they seem to go um, dirtier. Every other word was the F word in the movie, and not just from Sam Jackson. I think Salma Hayek dropped at least 40 or 50 herself. Um, the movie was only okay. I, I found the story of redundant. I don't necessarily want to see a third installment. I don't need to see the hitman's wife's bodyguard's cousin or whatever. I'm, I'm okay. So, um,
0: all right. No, so we have one recommendation from Adam and a not so recommended film uh, from from Alec.
2: I'm going to. I, I want to throw in one, one thing it. on Alec's thing. Comedy sequels are really hard to do in general. I think if you were to look at all like. The sequels to comedy films, I know it was an action comedy. Um, There's maybe a 20 in the history of all movies that are like as good as the original. And you think of all the comedy sequels. There's some terrible ones. Caddyshack um, 2. Bernie's 2. Weekend at Bernie's 2. Well, I mean, the first one wasn't that good for Weekend at (laughs) Bernie's. (laughs) If you're in the right mindset. Uh, But yeah, comedy sequels, they're really hard to do for whatever reason. Uh, so I think you're, you're right. on there.
0: Yeah. I, I think comedy is hard to do period. You know, I mean, uh, talk to any actor who's worked on stage or screen, talk to any director and they'll tell you the hardest thing to do is make people laugh because the timing and everything has to be so perfect. You mess it up one little bit. Look at a stand-up comic who blows a line and, and he, he's, he or she is furious at the end because you know, they had that all set up and it didn't work out the way they wanted. So sequels are hard. I just think comedy is hard to begin with. So I'm, I'm surprised people even do uh, you know, those sequels, but it's usually the studio saying, hey, people like the first film, let's go for the second. It's the old studio thing. Let me uh, just talk about something uh, a little bit. We don't often talk about Series on streaming or cable, but I want to talk about this because uh, there is uh, an interesting connection with film here. There's uh, a, a series that HBO has been doing for several years called In Treatment. It started off with Gabriel Byrne, the actor playing a, a therapist called Paul Weston, and they set it up a really interesting way. It was on like three or four nights a week, and for the first, let's say, three nights, you have a uh, different patients being treated each night, and the fourth night. Gabriel Byrne's character goes in to see his therapist, and you realize his his patients' lives are a mess, but his life is maybe a worse mess than his patients'. Um, and so that went on for three seasons, and I thought it was that the writing was per, was was really good. Gabriel Byrne was uh, did the acting just exactly as needed to be done. So that was the first uh, three seasons, and then the film uh, the season just. Uh, Ended and that ended that in treatment series. Now it's been rebooted. And uh, what we have is a student of or a protege of this Dr. Paul Weston Gabriel Burns character. And it is played by Uzo Aduba. She's best known for a Netflix series, but she is an outstanding actress. She plays the therapist. And for three nights, you know. Monday, I guess what? Well, I guess they actually do two a night. So there's mon- uh, Sunday and m- uh, Monday, and they'll have two in each night. And uh, the first episode is is a young man uh, who's named Aladio, who takes care of a uh, uh, for a rich family uh, a disabled son that they have. And guess who plays Aladio? Anthony Ramos, the man who starred in in uh, in the heights. So Anthony Ramos shows his versatility as an actor. He does an, an amazing job playing this character uh, who uh, uh, works for this rich family and has all these these issues uh, underneath the surface, as all of these patients do. Then there's Colin, a white-collar criminal who cannot get out of prison unless this uh, therapist clears him to do that. So that's an interesting situation. Then there's a, a teenager named Layla who is messed up teenager, rebellious. And then uh, on the, the final night of each week, it's uh, Brooke Taylor, is the name of the character that Uso plays. And uh, she talks to her, she's basically got an alcoholic problem and talks to her counselor, who is also a personal friend uh, when she struggles herself. And she has an off and on boyfriend that uh, slips in and out of the. The picture. So I, if, if you have HBO or HBO Max, In Treatment has come back, high-quality series, and I'm in the middle of watching it right now. It's still got a, 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 little, a few episodes left to go, and uh, very intelligent. There's some comedic uh, moments in there, but it's a pretty serious look at people who are in treatment, and not only the people in treatment, the people who treat the people who are in treatment, who have imperfect lives as well. So that's my review of the week. You know,
2: the original was on, like, the everyone has a list of shows that you're like, I always meant to watch that, and they never did for whatever reason. In Treatment was on that for me, along with, like, uh, you know, The Americans. I'm like, everyone keeps saying the show is good. I'm like, you try to watch an episode. What?
1: The Americans is really good.
2: See? Everyone says it's good, and then everyone has shows like that, and you're like, I'm going to watch this one day. I'm going to sit down and watch it. And then you try to watch one episode and you fall asleep. And for whatever reason, it just never happens.
0: Well, the one now HBO max, you know, with the old HBO on cable, you could not go back and watch those old uh, episodes. Now with HBO max, you can go back and watch the old ill, you know, all those uh, in three seasons of previous of, of, in treatment. Again,
2: Adam, you do have to stay awake, but uh, well, I mean, so do they have any now, I guess in therapy, so much is virtual now. There is no
0: well the the Anthony Ramos character is because he's taking care of this this disabled child. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So he is on that. I understand he's actually going to show up in person for the first time this week, based on a preview I saw. But he has been online. The others are there in person. But so there is a, a sort of a nod of the head to that, and there are some references to COVID and and uh, the fact that uh, the therapist is doing the work from her home rather than an office so there are some
2: oh that's kind of i don't know if i was, if i was a therapist i'd want people to come over to my house to know where i live uh
0: that does uh, enter into the plot
2: line oh i'm spoiling <laughs> things now
0: <laughs> that does enter into it somewhat yeah that's uh, not uh, yeah i'll just say that much so uh, yeah this uh, i you know I, I i think good drama good writing good uh cinema is good wherever you find it if it's an hbo or in a movie theater and uh, highly recommend uh, that series in treatment it is still running on its uh, fourth rebooted season on uh, hbo and you can watch all of them all the way back to the original uh, series with uh, gabriel Byrne on hbo max and i would recommend that as well so is John, Burn
1: on show at all?
0: say again i'm sorry
1: Is Gabriel Byrne on the new show at all?
0: That's interesting. He's referred to because he's like, uh, she is like her, you know, he picked her out as somebody to to sort of uh, move along in her career. He became a mentor to her. And there's one scene where he's trying to call her and she won't take the call. There's issues Ah. there then uh, he then in a, in a more recent episode he tries she tries to call him and say hey you know I, apparently they're in Los Angeles uh, this is where this is set so she made a reference to her friend who comes over that uh he is going to be in Los Angeles so I'm wondering if Gabriel Byrne will make some kind of a, an appearance late in the the series we'll see
1: he's a good actor I haven't seen him in a while so it'd be cool to see him on there
0: he's fairly particular about his roles and he likes the stage as well as uh, cinemas but yeah gabriel Bird is a very accomplished actor okay this will be our final shot Uh, anything that uh, you gentlemen would like to add before we wrap this up and i'll have adam start
2: so uh i got a fun column i'm working on it may take me a while but you maybe i might want to get some input from you guys later on so i'm going to do a review of the the new purge movie that's coming out in a couple weeks so i thought it would be fun to write a column Uh, and I do this on both uh, the film yap and grade a movies Uh, looking at from a criminal justice and sociology perspective of would the purge work in real life? And my, my one, it's morally wrong. You know, the premise of the purge where crime is legal for 12 hours every night. Um, So, but I'm going to take the premise that it wouldn't work even, even though it's morally wrong, it wouldn't work because it misunderstands how crime actually occurs. And you'll have to read more to find out why that is. But it's it's a hey, you could talk for an hour about that. It's an interesting concept of why criminals commit crimes um, and premeditated versus opportunity versus things that are going on in in their lives and uh, why this uh, movie isn't realistic, Larry. Is that surprising?
0: So the purge is not realistic. I'm
2: shocked. No, it it wouldn't really work.
1: (laughs) I'm a big purge head. I've seen all four of the movies thus far and watched both seasons of the television show. So, well, we're going to have when,
2: when I, when we get to that point and it's 4th of July weekend, me and Alec will have a spirited discussion about the purge series. And, uh, even if you haven't seen the movies, Larry, you being a a, a journalist and and knowing about crime, uh, you, you know you you report on crime in Fishers, uh, you'll uh you'll be able to chime in, I'm sure.
0: Well, uh, Adam, you and I both worked the crime beat at some point in our career. <laughs> I mean, the crime beat in Fishers, thankfully, is not very long. There's not a lot there, but I I would say that uh, I saw one Purge movie a while back. I've not seen all four. I saw one of them, and it's like what in the world is this?
1: <laughs> but I one wanted done on The Purge. Yeah, it's like, uh,
0: what an idea for a film. And uh, I this whole idea of what, I guess the, uh, I've, from what I've seen, and, and I don't know, have you actually seen the new, have you screened the new Purge movie? No,
2: I haven't gotten the new one yet, Are but I was re- rewatching some of the old ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll get into more. Go, I think I started thinking about it more. I'm like, this wouldn't work. Because if you really, just to hint at it, like, say you want to kill your ex-wife, you know, uh, are you really going to wait nine months to the purge night to do that? And even so, wouldn't your ex-wife oh, be like, hey, I've got a Adam. What? It's called discipline, Adam. Well, Most murderers like are like emotional people, I would think. I guess somebody might plan nine months. I'm going to kill her on this night and I'll never get away with it. But wouldn't your ex-wife be like, "Hey, I've got a crazy ex. Maybe I need to barricade myself this one night because he might try to use that opportunity."
0: Well, I think that what this film, what the Purge film I saw, showed me is that it's it's a recognition that most, as you had just said, most crimes. Are passion of the moment crimes? Not all, okay, yeah. but a large number of them. I mean, you, because you have a weapon near you, you you kill somebody well, rather than knock him into. Well, face.
2: I'll say actually, seventy percent of all murders are premeditated. Well, depends on how you define. And only I got. Hey, when I get this article out, Larry, I got so many statistics in here. I'm going to have. so. Usually, you don't get a lot of statistics on the film Yap yeah, and grade A movies, but I'm going to be coming with some criminal justice statistics. So that's something to look forward to.
1: I what? think you're probably scaring Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes, play it.
2: Oh uh, Nicole, I think you're.
0: I think you're. You're. You're safe. That's all I can yeah, say. She, she, I
1: she's you're... tougher than him. She's tougher than me. She's probably. Tougher <laughs> than you.
0: Well, I can just. My wife is definitely tougher than me. I can assure well, you. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alec. Uh, final thoughts from you.
1: I'll have a few more reviews coming out this week. Uh, one of them later today of uh, the uh, Kevin Hart Netflix movie Fatherhood. I also have one either today or tomorrow of an action movie called Take Back. So keep an eye out for those, please.
0: Yes, uh, Living Room Theaters is at the Bottleworks Complex on the north end of Massachusetts Avenue in downtown Indianapolis. I've been there a couple of times. They have very comfortable chairs. Uh, they live up to their their name. I understand they have a grand opening coming up uh, to kind of re- reveal everything. Now that the, the film industry has settled down and people are starting to come back to the, to the movie theater. And, of course, we have the Hamilton Town Center uh, Cinema, which had been closed because of the Goodrich theater bankruptcy. There's a new owner ready to reopen that. The last I uh, was told, July is the uh, goal to get that open. Again, that's a beautiful theater complex and looking forward to going, that's pretty, not that far from where I live. So I do look forward to going back to the movies at, at that complex.
2: OK, gentlemen, even though I got some dogs barking in the background, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Sorry. For, they always bark at the end, Larry. It's like they're telling us it's the wrap it up sign from the Oscars. They're telling me to wrap it up.
0: So they, so that that's your cue that we've gone long enough. Yeah. So I, but I do okay. want to
2: say uh, <laughs> two things real quick. Um, Flick's house in Carmel is uh, isn't reopened yet. But the other locations, no Flick's location nationwide was open yet. They are starting to own, open some of their other locations nationwide, which is an encouraging sign for the Carmel location to uh, open one day. And I know a lot of people uh, really miss it and really enjoy it. And finally, if you like the Great A Movies podcast, it is available on many different ways. Obviously, if you're hearing this, you've listened to the end, so you must really be a fan, or you just want you'll be a future fan. You can get it on Larry Lannon. He has a whole uh, podcast archive of you can go back and listen to that even back to the Hamilton County Goes to the Movie Days and that is uh, on iTunes and also on SoundCloud and on his website LarryandFishers.com uh, we have a Facebook page the Grade A Movies uh, Facebook page where you can see the video if you really need to see me while I'm talking or Alec while he's talking you can get that we've got a YouTube page we've got the podcast separated into its own. If you, you really don't want Fisher's politics, which I like, I think it's interesting, <laughs> but uh, you know, you could get that on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I think we're also now on uh, Google podcasts and uh, also on SoundCloud. And if you sign up for the Substack for filmyap.com. And if you go to grade a movies, I put a link in there for you to do that. You sign up for the Substack. You get articles emailed to you. You don't have to go to the website, so you'll get Alex reviews from the film. yet, yeah, mine, other people's reviews, and we'll be sending out new episodes of this podcast every time on the Substack email, so you don't even have to wonder where the next episode comes out. You will get it right there.
0: Yes, and uh, I subscribe to that. Love it. Uh, see your uh, reviews as soon as they are put onto FilmYap. I'm also a fan of GradeAMovies.com. So once again, these two gentlemen here, their reviews are on GradeAMovies.com, and they're one of uh, two of several uh, uh, reviewers that post reviews at TheFilmyap.com, and uh, I post my reviews at com. I, I put mine on... Uh, a uh, podcast form, so uh, you can see my podcasts are available. Uh, Larry and uh, Fisher's dot com by Larry Landon. If you're review, uh, looking for them, and you'll see them all, and I have all my film reviews, and these podcasts are are also on there. I don't know. I'm, one last question for each. Of you. I'll ask Alec to start this. Um, there is a debate: should a podcast be on video or audio? I find that a lot of people like the audio version of a podcast because you can. You know, take a jog, you can uh, mow the lawn. Some people work while they listen. Um, audio versus video, where do you come down?
1: Me personally, as a consumer, I tend to opt for audio. I'll listen while I'm uh, mowing the grass or walking my dog. Uh, I listen to a lot less podcasts than I used to. I'm not in an office every day as I once was. Um so, for me, as a consumer, it'd be audio, but it's nice to see people's faces, uh especially you know if they're as handsome as you two fellas. I should probably uh put my mask back on for this, so I'm not scaring people but uh yeah
0: no i, I must say I'm an audio file i prefer my my face not be anywhere, but uh that's just me so um Adam, you an audio file or video file or both
2: I think uh I think both are good. Um, I mean, if you have a video one, you don't have to look at the video. There's some things on YouTube that I have my headphones on and the phone's sitting down um, because the visuals aren't necessarily that needed. Um, I think it helps that each of us have distinct voices. If we had a podcast, I've listened to some podcasts where some of the people really had similar voices and I almost needed a video to, oh, who's talking now? Because they just sounded so much alike. I don't sound like Larry. So I think it's easy to tell us apart. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> well, no one we, sounds like Larry but Larry.
0: We all three have our own distinct voices however they may be. So I <laughs> uh, I want to thank you gentlemen taking time out again for a, a greatamovies.com podcast. It's been my pleasure to talk to you again. Again, the greatamovies.com. that's where you'll find those two gentlemen's reviews. Mine will be at Larry in Fishers Dot com. We thank you very much for watching and listening. And uh, please, you know, if you like this uh, video, audio, and whatever, however you consume this, let other people know and just uh, share the link. You can find it on all the different platforms that Adam mentioned earlier. And so for now, please, we ask you all to please be safe and be kind.